I appreciate the songs that we've sung tonight. What a day that will be. I haven't heard that song in a long time. I like that. I thought of the song. One of my favorite gospel singers is Squire Parsons, and he has a song that says, Oh, what a moment. Oh, what a moment. My goodness. To see our Savior face to face. Well, I'm awfully glad to be here tonight. I heard Brian this morning say that he, about being nervous, I'm nervous. I don't ever not want to be nervous when I get behind this uh, desk and um, being here at Ten Mile Church and speaking to this group that uh, Ten Mile Church has had a um, big impact in my life and my family's life and um, I'm, I see so many of you out there who are Bible, Bible scholars and it, it scares me a little bit, okay? And, uh, but I'm not going to uh, cow down, I'm going to get after it, okay? If you have your Bibles tonight, I hope you do. If you got them on the phone, that's okay too. I think we're going to have it up on the screen also. But I want you to turn over to the book of Genesis. Going to go back to the early part of Scripture, the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. We're going to look at a passage that I think is probably one of the great passages, highlights of the Bible here in Genesis. And I hope tonight when you get done that you will feel the same way about it. I preached this message a couple of times and I was rather surprised at how God encouraged me with it and was a blessing to me. And then today as I was at home trying to prepare a little bit more for this message, it even became more real to me. And to think about, this is what I want to challenge you tonight is to think about what God's done, not just for the world, but for you and for all of us who are in Christ Jesus, what hope we have. And he did it all. He did it all. And I've got an illustration I want to share with you after toward the end of the message, because I think there are a lot of people in our churches today who are not completely convinced that they are a child of God. They're members of the church. They come to church on a regular basis. But they haven't got into the Word of God, and they don't have any real confidence about their salvation. Let me tell you this, that I've come to the point, having been a Christian now for almost 53 years, that when I got saved, I really didn't have much confidence in what I had done. I had put my faith and trust in Christ. I remember distinctly praying. I remember the night that it happened. I remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit that had been hounding me for years as a teenage boy. And then to simply turn and ask God to save my soul. There wasn't any goosebumps. My hair didn't stand up on the back of my neck. But I know now that because of what I did that night, I'm going to heaven. I'm as sure for heaven as if I was already there. That's pretty cocky, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you something, folks. You need to be that way. And we need to know that we know. My dad used to say this, know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. And I hope tonight, if you're here tonight and you're not sure about it, I also believe there are many people in our churches who are not saved. I'll just be honest about that. But I can't determine that for you. One of the biggest challenges I've ever had as a lay speaker is for people to come forward. I remember one time in a church in Benton, 
there was a young man who came forward, and I tried to help him. He came forward, he wasn't sure about his salvation. Now, how do you deal with somebody like that? The only way I know is to ask them, do you remember a time in your life when you prayed, you recognized you were a sinner, and you prayed and asked God to save you? And that young man that day said, yes, I do remember that. He wasn't very old, 13 years of age. And I said this to him, I don't know, I can't tell you you are saved, but according to the word of God, you are. And there are many people who are doubting their salvation, and therefore they don't have joy in their salvation. We ought to people that ought to be smiling when we sing this, this song, What a Day That Will Be because of what we have in Christ Jesus. Now, I've made a terrible mistake tonight. I left my glasses at home. But I think I can see this. I could read outside real well, but in the 22nd chapter of Genesis. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. I know for some of us older folks it's hard, but would you stand in honor of God's Word? I'm old-fashioned, all right? I don't know why we stand during the song service and we sit during the preaching. The Bible reverses that. Did you know that? Really it is. And one of the greatest words I love to hear Jamie say is, you may be seated. <laughs> Chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Some translations say tempted. I believe he tested him. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. That's obedience, isn't it? Then he said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the uh, land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up in the morning, and he got his donkey and two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and they split the wood and the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of God had um, told him. Then on the, the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the, word, the wood and the burnt offering um, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is this lamb for a burnt offering? Now, I think this verse here is one of the most prophetic, greatest words in the Bible, in verse 8. And Abraham said, My son... God will provide himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, do not 
lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you, that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket in, the thor- in his thorns. So Abraham went and took um, the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place, um, the Lord will provide, and is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word? God, I ask you tonight that you'd help me, that I would um, speak with confidence, but that I would proclaim what you want me to proclaim tonight. This is about you speaking to our hearts, and I am only here because I have confidence in the Holy Spirit of God that can work between my lips and the hearts of individuals here tonight. So I pray that you would do that. I have feet of clay, have no ability. I'm way out of my league. But I pray, God, you'd help me tonight to do what you want me to. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture um, is really back for about five or six chapters is a story about Abraham, a man that God had called out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. He had chosen him And I don't know why he chose Abraham. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of whys in the Bible for me. There really is. I don't have all the answers. I mean, I can go through this passage, and I'm going to raise some of the questions tonight about what I have uh, about the passage. But we know that Abraham was chosen. His name was Abram. God changed his name to Abraham and told him he was going to make of him a mighty man and that his offspring would be a great nations and many people more than the sands of the sea. Now I want you to understand something. Abraham never saw that promise to fruition. He did not see how God was going to work. But I want to ask you a question. Did God keep his promise? He most certainly did. But Abraham believed God. That's interesting. I want to ask you, do you believe God? I mean, when he says something in his word, You say, that's good stuff, I believe that. It doesn't make any difference whether it's good or bad. Believe it. You can trust God. One of the songs we sang tonight, I think it was so sweet to trust in Jesus. Is that one of them? Just to take him at his word. Now, I've got enough years behind me that I've learned that you can do that. And I, I want you to know I'm a little ashamed of where I am in my spiritual life, that I'm not farther along. Now, I'll give you an example. I have planted 52 crops now. That's a bunch of them. How many have had a career 52 years? Anybody here? I think I may have, have it tonight. In that 52 years, this year, I have learned something that I should have known a long time ago. That all the years that I have worried and fretted about getting that job done and the difficulties I've created for my wife and my family during that time. I look back on that and not one thing did it gain me in doing that. And this year I may have done something a little bit differently. I farm with my son and and I have a grandson that's been working for me. And we have, my attitude has changed. I don't know if my wife has seen it or not. I hope she has. We've never had a tense moment really. 
I've just realized that I just need to trust the Lord. He's taken care of us this far. Why not trust him a little farther and more? And that's what the walk we have as Christians ought to be, trusting God more. And this is about Abraham and his trusting God. Now, God had one of the great miracles of, of Abraham's life was the fact that God had given him a son in his old age, when he was an old man. And you remember the story that his wife Sarah said, well, this is not working out too well, and there is a handmaiden here. Why don't you go in with her and have a child with her, and that will satisfy God. We'll help God out a little bit. Goodness gracious. Now, I didn't understand that passage as well as I do now, being at the age I am, about how that he was old, and Sarah was old. Some of you understand that a little bit better now than you did 40 years ago, okay? But God did a miraculous thing, and Sarah conceived and had a son, the promised son that God had given Abraham. And now, God has said to Abraham, I want you to take this boy, this promised son, and I want you to take him, and I'm going to show you the place, and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. Whoa. Wait a minute here. Now, I was reading this afternoon, I was reading J. Vernon McGee, and J. Vernon McGee made the statement that you all know that human sacrifice is wrong. That's really what we're doing with children today for convenience. It's nothing new in the Bible. Many of the people, the Molech, the, the people, they sacrificed, made human sacrifices, and it was wrong. And Abraham, I believe, believed that. But he believed God. Now I want to ask you, have you ever had God stir in your spirit and say, I want you to do something, and you said, what? Are you sure, God? Now here's the problem is that we sometimes have problems identifying the voice that we need to hear. There is a voice that is within you, your very nature, that sometimes says, no, I can't do that. And then there is another voice, that's Satan himself, who's speaking. And there is the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you know the difference? There are some reasons why you ought to know that. Because you can trust one, you can't the other. And so we, we see that. Now, how did God speak to Abraham? Did he eat audibly, or how was it? I've heard that some people say, why doesn't God just speak audibly? He speaks loud enough without doing it. You're just not listening. And it will always be in accordance to his word. You can, you can never go wrong. And you need the word of God implanted in your heart so you know for sure what his direction is. I mean, there's some stupid things going on in our world today where mass murderers have said, well, God told me to do this. Well, that's a lie from the pits of hell. I mean, you ought to be able to figure that out. And you've had some things crossed your mind that you thought maybe I ought to do this, and you knew that wasn't right. It was contrary to the Word of God, and you ought to be able to identify that. The Word of God is our key, and that's what I like about here at Ten Mile. Uh, Jacob believes in the Word of God, and I think that's wonderful. I hope you do. And so God, he spoke to Abraham, and God said, Here am I. I like the way he responded. Now, in the very first verse, it says that he he tested Abraham. And the Bible says that God tempts no man. Now, 
in the foreknowledge of God, I, now this is one of my problems here, in the foreknowledge of God, didn't God know what Abraham was going to do? Sure he did. He did. So what's the purpose here? I'm glad you asked. It is for Abraham. For Abraham. Because he's going to see, I don't, and all of this I do not understand, but one of the things that he says is an indication of his faith in God. And so he is taking his son, he takes Isaac. Now, the question is, how old was Isaac? Well, there are many believe that he was at least a teenage boy, and many believe that he was a grown man. Interesting. I do believe that probably Isaac in the situation, if he wanted to be rebellious, could have overcome his father physically and got away from that. But here's a principle that is unique. Abraham, God had blessed him, and Isaac trusted his dad and had respect for him and would do what his dad said. Now, we don't have a lot of young people here. So there's some here. And I'm going to tell you something, I think it's important that young people respect their parents. But parents ought to be respectable. You get that, you earn that. I can tell you stories about my life, my mom and dad, and the respect that I, I, I to this day, don't understand how I was kept from so many things, but it was because, I think, of the prayers of my parents, the respect I had for them, and it kept me out of trouble. Now, I'm just like anybody else. I can rebel as well as anybody can. But I don't know how. But I, I believe in the home today, we need parents who are trusting God for all of it. I don't know how. Sometimes I wasn't sure how I ought to discipline my children. But I looked at my mom and dad, and I looked at the Word of God, and between those two, I was helpful for Kay and I to be able to do that. And we made mistakes. I'm not going to tell you about the story when Kay decided she was going to spank our oldest boy who was 16 years of age. Does that make a lot of sense? But there's two things that happened. She was ready to take care of business, and he allowed her to do that. That may be the biggest story of the hour, that Jerry was willing to do that. So we made mistakes, but God blessed. We were trusting God early on. Before we were married, actually, we talked about having children. And we talked about that we were going to trust God for it. We're going to try to raise them the way God wanted us to. And I think Abraham did that. Now, I don't know where the clock is. I see it now. Um, I don't want to get too long here. But Abraham had a son that trusted him. And then they began to go and make the journey. God didn't tell him where they were going. But I don't know how he knew which direction to go. But on the third day, he saw the place where God had appointed. And he said to his uh, men that were with him, you stay here, Isaac and I will go worship. And then the rest of the story is, Isaac says to him, Dad, I see the wood. He wasn't foolish. He knew what was going on. I see the fire. But where is the lamb? The lamb. Now, this is the first time I think this term lamb has ever been used before in the Bible, I think. If you look later on, he turned and he saw the ram was caught, the male. But in the Bible, who is Jesus? He's the lamb of God. 
I think it's important that we understand that. And Abraham makes a statement here. Now, when you look at the way it's written, you'd say, well, he was just a small child. I don't believe he was. He was of age, and like I've already said, that I believe he could have overcome his dad. Now, notice what Abraham said in verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. You think he knew what he was saying? How did, let me just ask you this, how did he know then if he did? Who told him? Who gave the secret away? Well, I believe that God had revealed, and I think you find in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, you will find that God, that Abraham believed God, and that faith, that work was counted to him for righteousness. And in just a little bit, I'm going to refer back to this. But Abraham believed that God, many believe, and it does say, well, I'll go ahead and say this, and I forget, in chapter 11, it says that Abraham believed God, and that's to the point that he believed that he would raise um, Isaac back from the dead. That's what the Bible says. So I believe it. And he was like a flint. He was going to do what God said. No one had been risen from the dead at this point, to my knowledge. How could he could believe that? Well, he trusted God, but he believed that God was able to raise the promised son if he would be obedient to him. Now, there's a lot of similarities here between Isaac and Jesus. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was obedient to his father. Wasn't Jesus obedient? Oh, that is an understatement that I can't even comprehend tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He believed God. And, and Jesus, now in my opinion, Jesus lay aside his deity and the work that he did here on the earth, the miracles and all that he did was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, which gives us an example of how we ought to live today because when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit of God and we then are led and Jesus gave us the example. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't know if I agree with it. I'm just trying to figure it out, okay? The more I understand about the Bible, sometimes the less I understand. But I believe that he's given us the example. Isaac was a type of Christ. Abraham was a type of God the Father here in his obedience. And he says, God will provide himself land. Did he do that, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, they shed the blood of bullocks and lambs, and it was a bloody mess in the temple where they shed the blood of these animals as a substitute for a Messiah that would one day come. That's one of the reasons why when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil of the temple was torn in two. Does it say from bottom to top? No, it didn't. That thing was so high up there, it was torn from top to bottom. God did it. God said, that's enough. The sacrifice has been made. And you can trust and believe that he did that. And then through the, Old, or the New Testament, for instance, in John 3.16, it says, or John 3.18, that God... Uh, commended his love into while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I think that's in Roman. I'm quoting the Roman scripture. 
But the reality is that sin has been dealt with. Now you must decide what you will do with Jesus. Remember that song we sang? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will you do with him? And so they go on here. And as he, he had taken the knife out, he was getting ready. Do you believe he was going to kill his son? I think all the evidence is there. The jury has said, yes, he was. And God stopped him and said not to do it. And then he looked and he saw the ram in the thicket. Now, you could say, well, that's the lamb that he was talking about. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was talking about Jesus who would one day come. Now, I want you to think about the place where he was sacrificing his son. Most scholars, most scholars believe that where Moses or where Abraham was at and where he had laid his son on that altar was the very spot where Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. You think he wasn't the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? You think God didn't have all of this in his hand? You think they took him prematurely to the cross of Calvary? No, it was in God's hand. God did it all. Listen today. If God is in, in control of that and has been for, from eternity past, don't you believe that God's in control of your life? That you can trust him? I mean, you begin to look at the evidences here. God did it all. But, but God, in Ephesians, I think the second chapter said, but God, who was rich in mercy, brought us to the point of salvation. He did it all. This idea that you've got to get baptized, and I think you ought to, that you've got to speak in tongues, you've got to do some weird things or have some kind of a weird experience, is contrary to the Word of God. Only putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is the only hope for eternity. And I want to tell you something, I'm glad for that. Now, I have this nature about me that I've earned everything I've got. Now, the older I get about that one, I think that ain't true. Because there's a lot of people working harder than me that done, hasn't done as well. There's people in other nations, and why am I born? Boy, we get deep here. Why was I born down at Thompsonville over at Vickers? Riding right around on the track, sometimes hearing the preaching of the word, and my heart was stirred unbelievably. I mean, the hounds of heaven, you haven't heard that in a long time, the hounds of heaven were after me. And I couldn't sleep at night because I was afraid that if I died, I knew where I would go. I was a member of the church, by the way. But now I can pillow my head at night, knowing that if I don't wake up, you may not miss me, but I'm going to tell you you're looking for me in heaven. There'll be a welcome there for me, far beyond the crystal sea, and these hands of mine will touch the hand of God. Woo! Amen. Sorry. <laughs> we'll shout once in a while. We ought to get in the habit of That's right. Maybe. I haven't heard anybody shout, really. I think uh, Roger Lee is here tonight. I remember his dad doing that once in a while, and I love that. And the man that I thought any more of than him. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This is a great God that we have. Amen. And we can trust Him. And I don't know what's going to happen this week, what opportunities you will have, but maybe you need to get this thing settled and know that you know that you know that you're a child of God. Maybe you're not saved. 
Maybe you can't pinpoint a moment when you did that. I would have questions about that. Only you know. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's between you and God. Now you have a responsibility and a relationship with Him. We do good works because of our salvation. Not to be saved, to get, to get more saved, is because we love Him. <laughs> One of the identifications of my love for my parents was that I was obedient to them. But it was. And if you love God, you'll be obedient to Him. That's what the Bible says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I think we still have a piano, though. I can sing, and I think that's what we ought to do. So Let's stand before a word of prayer, and then He's going to lead us. Okay? Lord, speak to us tonight. I. I don't know what you can do with this, but I trust you for it. I pray that if anyone's here uncertain about their salvation, God, some way, quicken it to their hearts. And if there's someone lost here tonight, would you stir them to the point they couldn't resist receiving you as Savior? Help each one of us, God. I pray you to help me as we leave here tonight, but I'll be faithful to you this week, different than I was this past week, and closer to you. We trust you for it. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. I'll be here. If you want to come, I'll be glad to pray. We're going to sing the song that he alluded to. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. So I want you to sing it. We don't need the piano tonight just so you can hear the words. Sing the words. If you've got to pray at your seat, pray at your seat. If you need to come down here, do that as well. So I'm just going to lead us. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him and his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the same.